Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We're going to look at Charlton, a reprint of Charlton's comic book guide for the Artist Writer Letter, 1973 edition. But first, I want to invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. Be sure and hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. That will notify you when we post a new video. It'll give you a leg up on the kayfabe effect because you'll be the first ones to see our new videos. And then you can go uh, track down those comics ahead of everybody else. And uh, let the video play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share the video with other comics fans that do not know cartoonist kayfabe yet. And uh, that's how we grow this channel. So we thank you for that. And... Uh, Let's dive in and figure out how to make comics Charlton style, Ed. I used to see this ad in, you know, random Charlton back issues that I would get and I would never come across this thing. Right. And it was years before I realized this was a little tiny, smaller than comics. So no wonder I wasn't finding it in, in uh, old long boxes. But a pretty, uh, pretty interesting idea here. This is our, our intro to the reprinted edition. And it gives you a little background there by Mort Todd, who is publishing this new edition. But here is the reproduction from the original issue by uh, Nick Cutie. Yeah. And his explanation is he was an editor at Charlton, an assistant editor. They would get maybe two uh, submissions a day at least from aspiring cartoonists. Some were really good. Some were near professional. Some were <laughs> hopeless. But uh, he decided like it would be helpful to just write down some tips and include in the uh, letter that they would send back to everybody. And that's how this book is born. Interesting to think of some of the people that came through there. Uh, John Byrne, get, get some of his first works there. Gene Day uh, comes to mind. Uh, I believe that it didn't get published, but I believe Eric Larson got his first kind of commissioned professional comics, I think pre-Megaton, pre-Gary Carlson. Uh, he was commissioned to do some Charlton Bullseyes uh, and, and stuff like that. And and then, of course, there are like those journeyman old-timers, mm -hmm. man. Your, your, your uh, Broderick, your uh, Pete Maurice's, yeah, Dick Giordano. And anybody unfamiliar with Charlton, they published from 44, I believe, to 1986. So a legitimate company. Like, you know, at that point, I mean, they're, they're, they're Marvel. You know, they're, they're from the Golden Age, early days. They were a printer out of Connecticut and realized, like, you don't make money when the presses aren't running. So they started running comic books, you know, to fill the press time. They also distributed themselves, which is a real separation from all the other comic book publishers. So it was kind of a unique operation and notoriously cheap. Did not pay, paid the least amount for page rates. The production quality was poor. <laughs> but guys like Ditko would go there because if you turned your work in on time, they pretty much stayed off your back so you got to do more or less what you wanted yeah yeah like when you hear that stuff it's it's all it's always kind of sad because it's like what they wanted like that you had an opportunity and you know they didn't really use it to to its full potential and of course the other place that people will know charlton is uh the watchmen characters right. dc buys the superhero universe from the superhero characters from charlton and uh, Alan Moore pitches those for Watchmen. They, of course, change that, but you'll see some of those characters. Peacemaker on HBO originates at Charlton. Right. All right, man. So, Ed, rereading this this week, I got to tell you, I had a good time with it, but also, like, I agree with almost all the information in this thing. It's, it's, all, fu it's, it's all fundamental. pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah. And, and if I'd have gotten hold of this, I don't know, when I was 12, 13, it would have it moved me a lot. I would have learned a lot. Uh, in a short amount of time. So here's our content breakdown. It's funny that lettering is part of it. Maybe yes, that it shouldn't should be. be that funny. Yeah, it should be. It definitely should be, but uh, it's not something that I see a lot of. 
And, you know, we start out with terminology, jargon, comic book jargon, if you will, just so that we can all speak the same language. We usually look at this thing, right? And how to draw comics the Marvel way comes out like five years later, something like this, man. And it starts off with like jargon. Stan, you're shameless, dude. Because <laughs> it's all the same stuff, too. It's, it's, it's true. You know, the indica, as I called it as a little kid? Absolutely. It's funny, like, they, they have grays, which would be like gray washes, same as blacks, only gray in tone. And as we get into the inking, they, they kind of talk about that. And, you know, it's not used that often, doesn't work well with color usually. But uh, they give a pretty good, you know, pretty good coverage of this stuff. Like I said, I agree with most of it. Swipes, you know, something that we hear is like morgue file. This was such a huge part of comics. Like, like morgue file is usually like, it's, it's like ref, reference shots, reference, right? Yes. But like swipes is like drawings or photos you know what i'm saying like it's like cut out a fucking pe you know gene colon panel of a hand opening up a, a, a turning a doorknob this silver prince thing this is uh what what uh stan lee was talking about like in his deposition and it's the thing that that when jim shooter comes in he gets changed where uh the silver prints were it was like a costly thing even in the 70s it cost a dollar to uh to like make these prints that the color sep the the color guide guy is going to hit with the Doc Martin dies, and xerography becomes a thing, uh, when you know in the seventies, and Jim Shooter is like, we can spend, at that time a fraction of one penny, to just make a Xerox that these people are coloring. That's not even what the people at home will be seeing. It's just a guide for the separator, but you're just in this like habit of spending a dollar or two dollars on this silver print thing you know and it costs 40 bucks just like prep time before it goes to the print facility nah like we're using a xerox and he said the color is fought him because you know it warps and mm -hmm. it's ugly and all of that but a fraction of a penny to a dollar fifty yes what the fuck man that's it Shooter's underrated big uh, innovation. <laughs> um, page sizes, you know, typically you draw bigger, so 10 by 15 inches is the size that, that he's talking about here. Even tells you for the indicia, the splash page, this is how much room to allow, depending on which size you're drawing. See, that would be the, um, that's the mind-blowing stuff as a kid. Cause, yeah. Because why, why would you think that you draw bigger and shrink down? Like, how, how would you think that's even possible? border spacing quarter inch border on a 10 by 15 inch original <laughs> i you know it's 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 weird but like i read this and i just thought like it would it just answer so many questions sure you know like that stuff i couldn't have even told you uh three days ago what size the the gutter should be i never agree with this like like push pins into your drawing board and stuff uh but like even like art adam still does it and he's got this like really gummy squishy drawing board that just has like a million mm -hmm. pushpin things in there and that's what he'll like put down when he does his perspective grids that he puts a whole lot yeah. in but you'll see the board every now and then and it's just riddled it's pockmarked like a tommy gun shot it and it's all the, the pushpin stuff and you know the, the edges of all of his pages has the pushpins in each of the pieces interesting yeah i've never done that i've never pinned up a page you know i maybe I've taped them down before, but maybe, I don't even do that. Maybe artist tape is a newer invention. Could be. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, depending on what you're drawing on, like a gummy kind of board surface or a mat, you know, like a mat or something under there, maybe tape doesn't work as well. I don't know.
Well, it's it's gummy from because it's cork and like just just all the <laughs> right. It well it turns to cork. Uh, drawing from the script walks through basically the entire process. You know, getting your script, reading it thoroughly, doing breakdowns, layouts, um, swipes, and in here it's interesting because he he goes in a little bit more with the explaining swipes. So yes, there could be drawings or photos. Uh, but in some cases, it may be your own drawings. You know, if you're working in sketchbooks, you may have some of those drawings that are that you consider successful and want to have handy whenever you're doing this. And the way he uses them, or one way he uses them, is if you're stuck, pull this out, because you know you're not making money if you're not drawing, and there's a deadline coming. So. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, some of it could be kind of like that Brunetti school of cartooning, where uh, you need a car, go outside, draw some fucking cars. But right. use them as guide. You see, guide is in is, is in mm -hmm. bold, all caps, right there. Use it as a guide. Like maybe it's not important that a Honda Civic is in your comic. It just needs to be a car. So distill it down from your sketch. Draw a little quicker. Realize that you can draw lines, you know, with your ruler to the vanishing point, and you realize that like a car doesn't look like that. You got to round off the hood. You got to round off all these edges. Uh, figure figure that shit out, man. But it doesn't have to be a Lincoln Continental, unless right. it does. Uh, go from your pencils or layouts to your letter, and then back to the inker. This is huge. This is huge stuff because you have no idea about this stuff That's when you're I'm starting. Saying. It's very clear. So so like when you are making your first comics, it's like all right, like like make some panels. All right, now I'm drawing panel one completely right now i'll draw panel two come on see we laugh right but like that's totally the way <laughs> because also by panel three you're kind of burnt out yeah exactly like, oh. <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's very straightforward a lot of this stuff we'll get into a little more subjective stuff as we progress but i'm just saying like a, a young cartoonist you could do a lot worse than this hey, dude secrets behind the gimmicks man ben day jimmy i was cutting out fucking gray like dot screens from from newspapers and gluing that shit down on my drawings and then drawing over top of it. That's how I was, like, using that stuff. But it also gives the secret to the craft tint. That's what I'm saying. This is inside information. This it just answers a bunch of questions. This is a Meltzer dirt sheet. This is the easiest and most impressive method to use. But like all good things, it's the most expensive. Yeah, and boy, were they conscious of that at Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> Panel art. Uh, lighting. And, and for lighting, it says divide your panel into three levels, foreground, middle ground, and background. I love it. I love that that's how they describe lighting. You know, it's not like, where's the light source? It's literally like you're creating depth. See how to do it. See Eduardo Rizzo, um, 100, 100 Bullets pages, where you see there is a level in every image. There's a level of gray, there, which is line art. There is black, and there is white. And he has very varying ways he does it. He push it. He'll put he'll put the black in the immediate foreground. He'll put it in the midground. He'll put it in the background, depending on his needs. Yeah. For for that moment, he's probably one of the in terms of modern creators. He's probably like one of the best to 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 do it and balance pages that way. It's a it's a tremendous skill. Definitely yeah. worth uh, if, you know if you want to make comics. Definitely worth spending some time and trying to figure that part out. But just thinking that way, I think, is instructive. Absolutely. You know, like, if you told me lighting from I don't know, age twelve to like age forty-five, I would have been like, oh yeah, it's you know, like a light source. You know, right. you put some shadow underneath the character or whatever. Thinking of it that way is really great. Gimmicks, gimmicks. They're even speaking kayfabe. <laughs> Long stretches of dialogue and little action. Use gimmicks to keep your panels interesting. Close-ups, silhouettes, bus shot, panorama. 
Yeah, see, it breaks it down, like what it, what gimmicks are. Yes, and it's, you know, this is 22 panels that always work yeah. in, in, in many ways. Um, anatomy is pretty fun. You know, anatomy is something you always hear in comics, and he kind of says, learn the correct proportions, but don't be a slave to it. That That is very empowering to read, mm-hmm. you know, to hear these guys say, like, yeah, it, it doesn't, get it, get it 70% the way there. Don't invent your own proportions. Uh, a lot of examples through here. This is working your panel basically from your script to a finished piece. Yeah. Cartoonist Kayfabe is sponsored by the comic books Ed Piscor and I make. If you want to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up our comics and books wherever you buy them. Starting with Red Room, the Antisocial Network, Season 1 of Ed's Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Trigger Warning, Season 2 is now in stores everywhere. This is Issue number 1, Issue 2 also available, Issue 3 coming next month, and uh, available wherever you buy comics, except for banned in seven comic stores. Uh, hopefully that number's not rising, but you never know. Well, you know what? The cool thing about it rising is that the bigger comic shops heard about that stuff, tripled their orders, man. <laughs> nice. WYSIWYG, A History of Computer Hacking. X-Men Grand Design, the Grand Design that started them all, including Hulk Grand Design. Can't wait Three to see what... oversized volumes of this available. Can't wait to see what your cover looks like when you put yours together, Jimmy. And Hip Hop Family Tree, a history of hip hop available in four treasury-sized editions or two beautiful box sets. You can pick up my latest book wherever comics are sold, Hulk Grand Design Monster. This is in comic shops everywhere now with some beautiful variant covers, a retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, and coming in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness, with uh, also some beautiful cover choices here by Ed McGinnis and Jeff Darrow, as well as my cover. Again, the 60-year history of the Hulk distilled down into two very dense uh, oversized issues. Plain Janes, the first young adult comic graphic novel here in America by Cecil Castellucci and me. And Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Live, which just went out of print from Image Comics, Ed. If you guys at home see Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Live on your comic shop shelves, pick it up because it is no longer available for order. But the original Street Angel hardcover, oversized, uh, these are kind of like director's cuts, almost like artist editions. I think they're the nicest books ever designed. These are all still available from the publisher. You can get them wherever books are bought and sold. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. And they call out what these various things are. Standard shot, down shot, up shot. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny that the content doesn't show up. But also when it gets into the Bendet, the Zipatone, it tells you the exact screens and the dots per inch or whatever that is that works best. And it says, like, if you have some dicey screens, show them to your editor before putting them down because they, sh- they should know, like, how the shit will print. Yes. This really reminds me of the 22 panels that always work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's simplified more. Like, maybe we only need seven panels that always work. I don't think that they spell panorama correctly. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> maybe the editor is spending too much time looking at Zipatone dots. It could be. It could be. Uh, get into reduction and reproduction, which is part of this. The, your Bende dots. Um, you know, if, if it's not built to be reduced, you get your moray patterns and things go wrong. Yeah. So just talking about that reduction thing, which I've heard so many cartoonists talk about how this is a revelation of, oh, yeah, you draw bigger and then reduce it. You know, something you don't you don't just understand right away. Yeah, the, the first-gen Kubert students, like, they, they would talk about, like, you know, you have to see your thing in print, like, a bunch of times to figure out, like, how to, how to hatch properly. Yes. I think that really with anything if you're doing if, if the end result is reproduced in print you kind of need some examples of that I, I think of it with color a lot yeah uh so now we're into the writing going through a script and uh some formats and your script breakdown one thing um you know 
it's writing pretty straightforward. I think we all have an idea of that. But one thing I find interesting is the body, uh, section three here, which is like your descriptions, and it has action. Describe what is going on in the panel uh, and include important props. But that describe what's going on in the panel is something I see a lot where it's like, there's a lot of description that isn't necessarily what's going on in the panel. You know, it's almost like, I don't know, you could say it'd be like emotional cues for an actor. Yeah. It's not that helpful, you know, especially in a, like I struggle to read scripts because of the weird formats. And it's like, this is what I need is like, describe what's actually in that panel. Right. That, that makes it, when I write for myself, that's what I do just for notes. You know, it's like the quick note if I'm not doing a thumbnail at the time. Um, Storylines, and it's kind of talking about, you know, being concise. All, all of this stuff, I think, is fu fundamental stuff. It all makes sense. And it's things that, again, if you don't do this, you may not know how how condensed the comic is. Right. You know, like, being concise, everybody probably could learn a lesson or two from that, you know, when it comes to comics. A lot of times, uh, like, prose. Adapt a page of prose into comics, and you'll find out it's more than a page, probably. Right. And, uh talks about the code um you know just some like professional practices grammar synopsis include a synopsis in the front of your script um know that it's going to go to the comics code for approval they reprint the comics code in here which we'll skip because we have another video of that if you're interested in learning more about the comics code but all practical advice once again like this is written from an editor with their point of view of like don't make me work extra on your script this right. is what to send me and here we go lettering our favorite part <laughs> uh, their own set of tools, you know, showing how the, the T-square and Ames lettering guide works and uh, giving some practical advice on your lettering. You know, think of it as like each letter is this box shape. So whenever you're creating space, um, 68 degree angle for your for your uh, italics, which is the side of your lettering guide. Right. And then different balloons um, and different lettering styles and what they indicate. So there'll be visual examples on that. You could just you can you can both apply that to the letters, but you can also apply it to the shapes that are around your letters. I like that the lettering books they call out are the ones that come with like the little pen sets. I have some of these. Sure, yeah, they would come with that shit. Yeah. And swipe file. So giving a little bit more information on your swipe file and that's, how you might that's, use it. That's huge, man. Like, it, honest to goodness, it was not until I went to, to art school where like I essentially needed them to like say that it was acceptable to like have photos sitting next to you like i have no idea why i was thinking like you're supposed to just like kayfabe guns and I'll stuff i'll tell you why you think that because comics journal would run a freaking column every <laughs> month that said it was called swipe file and right. it was just throwing dudes under the bus um, <laughs> but you know what a lot of these how-to books that i have especially older ones they start with this it's yeah. like have a morgue file i mean like like after art school like i invested in a filing cabinet and a whole bunch of like manila folders with a little tab and dude i had i had a folder full of iguanas sva has one of these in their school library that's massive like tens of thousands of images that you can go and look through you know at this point google image search has kind of uh changed the necessity but it was vital to commercial artists yeah. to have access to this yeah, stuff because how do you know what something looks like you are not required to have a photographic memory and exactly. that's and that's beautiful to know <laughs> it certainly helps me i'd be in trouble if i needed it uh comic groups so they're going through basically genres so humor, people, and animals, and then practices. Like for uh, humor, artwork should not have too much detail. Line work should be bold. 
interesting that there are these kinds of like generalities for for different uh different genres it, it, it's so great that they have these breakdowns because you think about the great works within these subgenres like okay humor uh bigfoot stuff blah blah not too much line work robert crumb seemed to make it work a little bit you know i love I mean? this use lots of sight gags I always think of uh, Basil Wolverton and sure. some of his stuff where it's just, it feels like every panel has a gag in it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like chicken fat. T- taking it to heart, these ideas. And they run through some of the ad- adventure subgenres. Superheroes we know, war, western, historical, jungle, horror, sci-fi, sword and sorcery, all grouped under adventure. Pretty fun. And then romance, I really like their description here, is, uh, you know, pretty girls, handsome men, and clothing styles, light, colorful, with good draftsmanship. I think of Steranko's last romance comic at Marvel, and I mean, it's this could have been a description of it. Right. You know, it's almost all open line work and stuff. And Charlton, one of the last publishers to do romance comics. Oh, uh, yes, they did, man. And with their bad off registration, <laughs> you're lucky. You're lucky if that lipstick is only on the character's eyeball. <laughs> Uh, it covers a little bit different. Talks about how usually that's an experienced artist that gets a cover. So if you're starting out, he's you pretty know. harsh. He's like, listen, we're not going to lean on this too much because you ain't drawing any covers <laughs> right, anytime soon, right. man. Like we're getting the guys who could sell some stuff. But does point out some practical stuff, room for your comics code and your logos and everything. And he uh, describes it that they're bigger. The the original yeah. art's a little bit bigger for the covers. Right. And then here's your comics code uh, reprint and some closing advice and uh, and conclusions. I love number three, don't offer your work for free. Yeah, that's Mark talk, man. It really is. That's comic marks. There's that other one that's like, yeah, I, I, the second one. Don't come to me with your bright ideas, man. It's pretty good. Like, you come into our house, you draw the stuff, you make the stuff that we want to make, and then once we get to know you, you can, like, tell us your fresh ideas that we're going to buy off you and have forever and make movies on and give you a page rate. It's a, that's a fascinating one. <laughs> Don't come up with great new ideas for a comic book. That's literally the sentence. And it's the editor. You know, it, it's funny because it's kind of the truth if you're just working work for hire. Yeah. Like, you're not rewarded for that. It's the same without good ideas as it is with a new idea. <laughs> you just might be bitter in the end if you do the new idea. So there's your conclusion. And uh, these are backers for i guess this was a kickstarter or some kind of crowdfunder shouts to the kayfabers who sent these to us yes yeah i had a great time going through it and like you said it does feel like a predecessor for how to draw comics the marvel way and really for a lot of the how-to uh books that you see because i feel like they all follow this kind of uh form byzantine secret information that your mom and dad can't answer when you're a little dude wanting to learn to draw comics. Yo, how does Mort Walker get that line? Well, that's just like a deadline, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, how do these people get these like thick and thins? Like when you really start to reverse engineer comics and like the stuff you like about comics, now you're kayfabing the thick and thins like by just drawing thick lines and coloring them in. It's like you you need some guidance, you know? And if you're not going to those like like the art school from fame in New York City, like you're just not getting that in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You it would need be these impossible. Guides. Even if you had access to comic book shows and stuff, like there's so much information compiled here in one source. Like it's a lot of hours and a lot of leg legwork that you're getting in one book. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, 
I'm, I'm glad it exists. And yes, thank you to the K Faber that sent this. Very awesome. Good to go. Yeah. K Faber's like follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster in comic shops everywhere while supplies last. If you didn't pick it up yet, grab one quickly. And Hulk Grand Design Madness will be in comic shops at the end of April. Tell your shop to save one for you. It's a retelling, a reimagining of the Hulk's 60 year history in two very dense, oversized issues. And uh, please join me on patreon.com slash jimrug. Red Room Trigger Warnings, uh, issue one and two on the stands as we speak, coming out on a monthly basis, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit, banned in seven comic in seven comic shops, but it's just a brown paper bag affair, man. You ask for it, they're gonna get they're gonna get it for you. Don't you worry about that. They want your money. Uh, you can read these comics before they hit paper on my Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor. Three bucks for the archive there. More than two hundred pages of comics up there as we speak and you could hit uh, all these links in my link tree in the description below this video jimmy what else do we have subscribe to the cartoonist kfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video you can also find cartoonist kfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video that's another great way to support the cartoonist kfabe channel jimmy given those marching orders we're going to be on our way make more comics <laughs>